Hey, welcome. Welcome to FUR. <laughs> uh, what episode number? Five? Five. I believe we're on five. Solid. Yep, and it's uh, as, as of this recording, it's uh, January the 2nd. We're into 2023. I was uh, I was thinking about this of 2023 the what's the what's the major issues beyond behind what we'll discuss today for nutrition and uh, new year's resolutions and etc but it's getting that damn date correct on all your checks and um right is that 23 <laughs> how long does that go on for you where 23 is uh how off how long do you, do you make that mistake or do you have a specific uh system in your head that allows you to stick to it perfectly. No, I definitely make that mistake. I did that for probably the first three months last year. Man. Yeah. And then I, I mean, I even sometimes through the year uh, have recollected, especially this year uh, of saying this is 22, right? Like it's, it's one of those. So 23, man, I think what I'll stick in my head is that the number 23 will always be ingrained from Michael Jordan. That's what so that I was about think to this say is that. Year. It's, like our, <laughs> it's like our Chinese New Year, basically, or Chinese Year of Jordan. You know, I'll just keep saying that in, in my That's what's made it stick so far, is it was just like 23, and I could, it was so easy to remember. This is the year of MJ. That's what we'll call it. I love it. <laughs> um, today, uh, we are going to discuss uh, nutrition for males and females um and you thought that that was a uh a pertinent topic for uh for the new year uh why particularly did you think uh this was a good one for the new year just with the new year it's always fun to look on social media and see what um coaches and what the fitness industry is selling people as the solution for this upcoming year mm. and that narrative shifts and i think we're definitely in a phase where when it comes to working um making things hyper individualized where now we need to train around menstrual cycles, eat around menstrual cycles. Um, women's things have to be look completely different than uh, how we would create something for a male. And so I just felt like it was a good time for us to really break down, are there nutritional differences that need to be considered when working with men and women um, or not? Yeah, great. Prior even prior to that, so we ever we could set the tone for our information today is um, that it being being the time of year, it's you know we we can't have this discussion without saying that uh, the digital landscape, people's perceptions, uh, the commercialization, uh, what I call the sports medicine paradigm, right. The, the the intentions behind a lot of it to your point you just made we just ha we're, we're going to jump over that today like we're not going to hammer on oh yeah james you know you can be the purest all you want and think that there's not these major differences just eat real food and everything will turn out okay yeah but in realistic terms that's not what everyone's seeing right that's not what they're getting from the doctor or that's not what they're getting from the fitness influencer so that's where we're gonna so We'll probably end up, would you agree, talking 
also at the same time around the myths and lies as opposed to like what is what's a good setup yeah um it's because i i think but i'm I'm not sure if you you know i I don't think so but uh i'm not sure we want to spend 90 minutes uh just going over the myths and lies i mean i think that would be too easy uh but it doesn't mean we're, we're gonna work our way around that you know relative to making some recommendations yeah um yeah so uh to start um i'll give a brief uh you know starter on um not biological uh differences but how sometimes that biology can lead to the conversation around the differences in food as a generalized statement um and uh there are some areas where there are some differences, but I want we we need to clarify them. And then we also want to talk about, you know, are those differences that important? I think that's a that's a really important topic. Um and you know, when we come up, whenever anyone comes up with a, a conclusion on why you think that's important, um, we're gonna challenge you to say where did that come from based upon our premise that I'll start with. Um, so the, the sexes are different. Um, but when it comes to, um, the, the available macronutrient profile as a generalized consensus for today, um, the only thing that creates a, that is a, I guess it's like in the, in the storyline or the narrative for, you know, this variation, in my opinion, from what I've done for research, is uh, the 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 sports medicine paradigm has made the the public believe that males and females could be treated differently by how they burn, how they use fuels, and uh, that always partners right up against C. Uh, females have menstruation and they get pregnant and therefore dot, dot, dot. And they, they try to compartmentalize those two things together. I say saying they, meaning the purveyors of possibly some good intention research or, you know, just, you know, fitness influencers who are thinking, oh, this is important that I tell people about these differences. But I want to start with that premise that it, it is questionable uh, in my opinion, from my research and from what I've looked at, as well as working with thousands of individuals um, of those two differences, that to go down the, I'll just start with that point and we can pick on that one particular, to go down that road, particularly that quote unquote males and females burn calories differently. I think it's a, a you know, apropos terminology for the Twitter shit that's going on today it's a it's a nothing burger it's I, I really do feel that you really are wasting your time um of uh humming and hawing about uh peter and jane and how jane you know burns five calories of carbohydrates differently than peter and you want to like you know you want to spread it to the household and you want to, you know, <laughs> tell their kids about it and, and preach it in school. Um, so I'll just start with that. Get your thoughts on uh, the uh, quote unquote 
metabolic burn and burn differences and and where that comes from and uh, see if you see it the same way or if there's a slight uh, different angle you have on that. I think in today's time, it's most relevant in the endurance world. Yep. And it's a, such a small percentage where this actually becomes important. Yeah. Um, but that research is now being what's trickled down to the day-to-day mom, <clears throat> um, the everyday female that comes into our gym when it's irrelevant for that person. Yeah. So again, if we were talking because about- she's interested in vitality, vitality that research is interested in running a hundred miles. Being an elite ultra marathon runner. Yeah. Which- Again, if we're talking about nutrition for those two different people, we're talking sport versus vitality. Yeah, again, it's the sports medicine paradigm. That's where they're getting the information from. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's no different than when we, you know, take information that's collected on 18-year-old males and apply it to a female. Yeah. What did, where was the research done and who are we actually applying this information to? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember courses sold, you know, in the 90s on... Um, I don't know if you remember that, you know, there was a couple of people who had the balls or ovaries to kind of like say, listen, like males and females could be trained and fed differently. And at the time it was like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. But then when you dig into it, the only differences they were showing was based in a performance model, right? So it's like, well, that's not anything important. (laughs) You know, if it's, if you're trying to like, grow 30 pounds of lean mass as a young male from 18 years of age to 35. Okay. Well, if that's your intentions, you got me, right? You're like, oh, well, females can't grow 30 pounds until they're, it's like, (laughs) what happens if it doesn't matter if they grow 30 pounds of lean mass? What do you mean? It doesn't matter. That's not fitness. Like, okay, we can't even. So I remember where there, there was that conversation. And then of course that created a cottage country cottage industry sorry of like research on this yeah and where people actually made careers and there's institutions set up for the variation in metabolic differences for males and females it's like and that's the leading information that's out there today oh yeah for sure because again you know you can't sell broccoli broccoli's not sexy right it's easier to sell that women are not small men and that we need something completely different but again all that information is centered around endurance athletes yeah. yeah and that is now what is being pushed out to general pop people as um considerations for how they eat yeah and remember there was always the apologists too right of even female fitness individuals or influencers even in the early 2000s who were saying oh no no no, you're not going to grow muscles you know so even even though that was somewhat correct in different terms of how much like net mass they would gain you know and the fear mongering that was going into weight training etc based upon that and this proliferation of all these groups that were like oh no 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 in here you're not going to gain lean mass we do this you know um it was the same it was the same thing right it's like this apologists around no you're not going to gain lean mass because dot 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 we burn fuels differently you know it's like but the intentions are all incorrect. So, so, so we don't have to continue to berate that idea. Let's for, for listeners going into it, always ask this question. What are the intentions of what you're learning? Is the intentions for performance and medicine, I, I call it the sports medicine paradigm, where it includes rehabilitative therapeutic methods, as well as performance methods. Is it that? Then you can't, you can't use that same conversation when you're talking about living a vital life. 
And if you want us to define that other area, it's it's fairly simple. Whatever you can do that maintains consistency for you to learn and adapt and grow your mind every day, for you to be physically active that allows you to express yourself as much as you want, and to fuel yourself with plants and animals that are sourced from the planet that give you the highest level of resilience so you can have a full life. Now, you see that on the right side, that's called vitality. Now, if you kind of then take your steps back, like, well, where do we come up with the macros and the foods and et cetera to determine what is vitality? You're going in the wrong direction, right? You're you're going over to, remember, a therapeutic idea of fixing things, right? So can you see, Melissa, how people can get jammed there because they're they're like, well, I need to fix, I need to fix this, like my current status. So I must need to use the fixing uh, research, right? It's like, no, 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 no. The answer is what's inside the vitality idea, which is to repeat, uh, you know, chew your food, get sunshine, drink clean water, exercise every day, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 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 So that's the, that's the first one. Um, how about an area where um, there is a difference? And this is where it, I guess it sometimes creates a, a bit of confusion as well, is the generalized comparative absolute totals. Okay. Right. So the comparative absolute totals, there is a difference, i.e. But the reason why there's a difference, because there's a generalized uh, lean mass difference in males and females. So if you were to like, you know, pull 50,000 individuals. Uh, of varied audiences and 25,000 males, 25,000 females, and you're to put them all on a scale, right? Then you will get this difference. And it's a significant difference, you know, based upon what mathematical thing you're, you're looking at, but there is a significant difference. That significant difference in quote unquote males being on average, generally larger than females is what's used inside of the fueling of what goes into those two different comparative absolute totals. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, Melissa's nodding her head. Yes. Just so people... <laughs> so but size, so I wrote down it's size. So size matters. Yes, size matters. Right? So size matters in this case. Um, and when you're looking at, yeah, a generalized conversation, remember, mm-hmm. you got to be careful to you're on the side of a hasty generalized conversation and a generalized conversation for education purposes, a generalized conversations. Yeah. We could say that uh, males require more calories than females. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then to just back up so we don't get, you know, again, caught in that based upon those lean mass differences, again, this is where an argument would come out, especially from the nutritional epidemiology, epidemiology research or nutrition research science, you know, people would argue, or a lot of folks would argue, well, you know, then if you back up, that means that there's going to be some net differences in like protein requirements, you know, et cetera, for males and females. And I would say, yeah, but the relative amounts relative to their total mass and total lean mass is no difference. If you're comparing in-group percentage, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Melissa to Lisa 
in a generalized consensus, they're not a huge difference. Just like Peter to John, there's not a, you know, a major difference there. Now, if you're going to compare Peter generalized to Lisa, then yeah, you know, there is. But it's it's not because of the sex. This is it. It's because of the differences in requirements for lean mass and total body mass, just to beat that one over the head, but in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, any conversations or words on the street of that, you know, issue? I was trying to think of if you're uh, getting individuals that still come in that have uh, have something to say about that with regards to like, oh, my my wife uh, eats, you know, less than me or my my husband eats more than me or or is the opposite or any any. Uh, well, I think that's just where when we get into the psychology of it. There is so much shame. Right. Especially around like kids that are growing. If a mm. girl, girls typically do grow faster than boys at yeah. certain phases. So when you have a 12 year old girl that is eating more than her brother, that's probably the same age. Right. Then we get in this thing of like, you should be eating less because he's a boy and you're a girl, yeah. even if he's larger yeah. or in a different growth phase. So I think um, that's where as yeah, we get it's, into it's, it's just to back up for, for principles, it's, it's, they grow faster earlier, earlier. Yes. So from like that standpoint, I think that can carry over into adulthood of right fear or shame of like eating to if you're hungry, if you're truly hungry uh, or yeah. I think it's maybe more in the 90s where a woman would sit and eat like half a portion of whatever was put on her plate because it was yeah. like to eat. Yeah. Um, where did where that I come from, though? Not that it has to stop it, but where, where did that come from? I th- did it still hang on from the like 60s, Twiggy, 70s? You know, and then the 80s and 90s was basically fat phobic, right? right. Like, the heroin chic era of yeah, when it was like yeah. very, very lean. Uh-huh. Um, and that was also, I think, runway models. This is the epitome of aesthetics and beauty. And right? protein has higher for, you know, that era doesn't, anytime I get a woman that's, I see actually a lot of my perimenopausal and menopausal women that have no lean mass because they were so scared of eating protein because protein was high calorie. And that was a waste of calories. If you could only consume a certain amount of calories in a day, you didn't want to waste them on protein. Yeah. And fat and so, came with that. Yes. Fat, right? yeah. fat came with that. With macronutrient, right? Protein, so, we used to be a lot more red meat. Yes. So, so it was equated with cancer and disease and fat. So you avoid protein and fat. Yeah. And you have a very um, just low calorie largely carb-based diet yeah because carbs could fill you you could eat more of them or they would fill you more yeah yeah i could just hear all the people screaming about the positives of all the uh, fiber and the vegetables um (laughs) and how how in the 90s especially people jumped like head over heels on top of that one because of all the scaremongering of the other you know variations Yeah. yeah How about, uh, well, you just hit on one point there too. Um, what's the consensus right now for uh, younger, let's call it like the avatar, uh, 15-year-old male and female for, you know, where are they getting their information for, um, you know, food, you know, fueling in general and uh, and inside of that, any any insights into the differences between, you know, what they're perceiving and where they get that information from? Two, um, parents. Okay. Because we we model what we see being done. So 
when dad is intermediate fasting, um, we have 14 year old boys that want to, and girls that want to intermediate fast because that's what they're seeing at home. Uh, mm-hmm. so they don't want to eat breakfast anymore. Or they don't right? like, um, without understanding the intentions behind that or why we wouldn't want to do that. So you have on one side, the parents, and then the parallel being TikTok, TikTok influencers, which can be a good and a bad because sometimes we have ones that are eating like healthy foods. Now everyone wants to eat this meal because their favorite influencer was eating it, yeah. but with no understanding of why. Yeah. Yeah, you just hit on an interesting point of again, my age is coming to the uh to the top here of there there just wasn't that, you know, I guess the influencer, quote unquote, wasn't available in the nineties. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if I was my mid twenties, right, in the nineties, uh yeah, all the quote unquote fueling things was my in my closest in-person environment, right? Which was either what I was raised on, which I wasn't at that time conscious of like, oh, these foods, until I got into the education of it. But it was my peers. It was the it was the phys ed program institution at Memorial in which I was to look around and be like, you know, what's everyone else doing? There was no there was no. And so I'm just I'm just, you know, speaking yeah. in relation to 30 years later now and the 15 or 16 year old having so many different, quote unquote, influencers right not the influencers capital i influencers and there's also the influencers that then we have to go into like what's available um at school so i know for a majority of the girls i work with they don't eat lunch at school because they don't eat in front of their friends um it's not it's not cool to bring food and then the food options are you they're gross they don't want to eat those things unless it's pizza day because pizza is like the one edible food that apparently school serves. So they'll eat lunch on pizza day or they'll eat a cookie, but they won't eat anything else at school. Yeah. Unless the, the 17 year old YouTube star says it's really cool to have salads and protein. Then all of a sudden now it's something that's cool to do with your friends. Um, Because we've had that from parents where kids wouldn't eat fish at all, but all of a sudden their favorite influencer was making this like shishimi dish and all of a sudden they wanted that yeah like we had to go to the grocery store to get yeah. fish because their yeah. favorite influencer was eating fish yeah i'm just yeah and i wanted to hit on that just so we could see um you know we could recognize that over time let's just think about you know um it just goes into your competency and education as a coach as well as a consumer of just information right for the for this topic today and differences between males and females and and nutrition is that just just imagine, you know, take a timeline back to like 1920s or 1940s or 1960s, 1980s, 2000s, 2020, and just recognize that the culture and what is going on at that time does have an impact, does have an impact on decisions and behaviors and perceptions. You just need to know that. It doesn't mean that it it makes the person it means that it has an impact, a significant impact based upon that. And that's why I brought up the trying to think about the 16 year old today versus 1992, right? Or 1990. That's when I was 16, 1990, when, you know, things like Pearl Jam were most important <laughs> and not necessarily like, you know, how I was perceived by my peers in, you know, Yugoslavia. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I can't even connect to them, you know? Or if it's a pen pal, so it's taken three weeks to get a letter there, right? Um, do you see what I'm saying? So not to age myself, but that, you know, 
that's it took you six weeks to figure out if you were influential. <laughs> oh, pen pals. I haven't heard of a pen pal in <laughs> <laughs> But just think about the beauty of that, right? It was. You can see why I'm so nostalgic or uh or or uh, analog, I guess you could say. Um, there's just something beautiful about that, like waiting for six weeks to get that to be like, oh man, when you, you know, cause I can just remember doing that. Sorry to go on this tangent of it. Just, it brings into, brings into connection for today for the digital world and ed- information. But, uh, I met this, uh, a kid at a, at a hockey tournament. And then, you know, you just don't know beyond just the relationship that was built competitively. You don't know about each other until you get to see, you know, how the person writes. His name was Mike Gallahue. If he's listening in, it's going to be extremely embarrassing for Mike. Don't worry, Mike, no one else knows you. But, um, and his writing was like weird, you know, and uh, <laughs> and the paper is <laughs> the way it's folded. But he said some stuff in there. I was like, oh man, I didn't know. I didn't know that that's how uh, our our relationship was influenced. Do you see that? Like there's just something wonderful in that. Anyways, whereas today, I think that, there's so many, there's like a thousand hits in an afternoon, right? Of like, oh, notifications and influence this. How are these people perceiving this? And, how, you know, there's just so much going on in that 16-year-old's head. So anyways. even in my generation, right, it was like um, middle school. And even I think in, into into high school, it was like you just wrote notes back and forth. Or you yeah. had like a finder that like all your friends were a part of that you wrote to each other. And then like one person would pass it to the, at the next class. Yeah. And then sometimes you have to wait till the whole next day to hear what your friend had said, you yeah. know? And so like, that was, our, uh, that was your text thread. That was it. It was like a whole, and then like if a teacher got that journal, like, Oh, oh my God. gosh, like yeah. burn it, burn this. Burn it. <laughs> but everyone got access to what was being said and what was going on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Oh, I love that little timeline there of the, uh, the late eighties into the early aughts into 2022 and the differences of that, but it does tie into uh, just point. We, you know, where that came from was, um, you know, what the, what people, you know, perceptions and culture and stuff does matter, right. It does matter. And maybe there's some parents out there listening in who are going to be having teenagers in the next couple of years. Uh, I just want to let you know that, uh, keep having just open-ended conversation. That's really, don't turn away from it. And don't, don't also uh, I'll speak up very clearly here for times I felt that coming on in myself. Don't give up. Meaning like, is, is don't feel like, oh, you know, there's nothing I can do to kind of, to affect this particular situation. There is, there's a lot of things, you know? Um, and I always say to make it reductionist down for that parentalism that I pull into this episode every time is, is, um, you know, uh, just keep communicating, just keep communicating, keep having conversation and, uh, be vigilant on conversation about things and, uh, and educate. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just use the example of my girls the same way all the time, but they won't always, you know, in my perception of a, of a scoring mechanism, uh, make, you know, hundred percent scoring, you know, behaviors that I'm super happy with, but I can tell you that when they don't, they are educated on number one, their choices and their freedom for those choices and the non-judgment that comes with those choices, as well as the repercussions of those choices. So you can see that there, there's an awareness around the choices, right? And it, and that comes from 
conversation and communication, right? So to back up for that 16 year old, et cetera, you know, if they know going in, okay, I know this is what I'm going to feel like. I know this is the choices that I can make and this is the repercussions of it. Then, Hey, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Cause that builds then this self-responsibility for those things that come with it. Now in our world, it's always like immune system disruptions or lack of performance or mental acuity issues or sleep disruption or whatever. And they're like, okay, well, that's it, right? But there's nothing more than that. It's not like bad or, you know, that was, now, now we got to make up for it by doing more things over here or less of this, you know? Yeah, anyways. Um, also, the are there any other, just so we don't miss it, are there any other influencer, influencing pieces for those I'll broaden a little bit more now besides the 16 year old, but younger kids for influence. I was just trying to think of. Um... Well, you have that. And then you also have just like current of times, environmentalists, environmentalists. So when we start going into um, diet culture, of right. Being trendy to be a vegan or a vegetarian yeah. or plant-based. Yeah. That's um, very big right now. Plant-based is very big. Right. And yeah. again, who told you that was a healthier option? Yeah. Why are we drinking oat milk instead of real milk? Um, yeah. Yeah, and that I think that yeah, it would blow good. blow a lot of teenagers' minds um, to to see the uh, the connectors between uh, big agriculture and uh, Wall Street and uh, them trying to push oats, um, you know, and, and the connectors between all that and seeing how people are just going to make money by just pushing a certain bun- buttons and sending a couple of emails saying that we really need to put our finger down on oat. Now, all of a sudden, it's showing up in Whole Foods, and then everyone makes money, you know. And for that young kid, they're like, oh, there's no way that's why they're doing it. They're doing it because meat is deadly. It's like, no, that's not why they're doing it. No, that's not why they're doing it. It's it's basically sourcing and demand and supply and who can make money, you know. And it's, it's if anyone listening in that thinks that, you know, I'm off my rocker by thinking that way, no, you need to do your research because that's how decisions are made. Go back and follow almond milk, soy milk, whatever. And it's all the same, it's all the same protocol. But to that point, Melissa, not to send us on a tangent for that, their arguments are, you know, let's call it the plant-based argument is pretty strong. Like it, it's, you know, if I was to steel man that side, like I could go on for hours talking about all the benefits of the plant-based, you know, version of that lifestyle. Um, and so it, it doesn't, it doesn't make it the most vital method, but the arguments uh, are quite strong, you know? I'd uh, say the arguments are quite strong, but I'd say how it actually, again, trickles down into being applied to a, a day-to-day person's diet is not how the intentions were created. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we're saying the same thing, you know, the practicality of it, you know, and, and logic around it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, if you, if you, you know, I say it all the time, it's just the meat-based folks their arguments are just way too are are not uh, are not well thought out and they're not energized the correct way. So they're they're generally either bombastic and bravado based and like you know the the people that stand up to speak about it are not the Diane Rogers for example for example yeah. you know uh, speaking logically around you know in the same language of environmentalism and regenerative agriculture and evolutionary basis stuff and as a mother you know when they, they don't, they don't speak <laughs> that tone right it's always like eat these testicles you know, you know? 
<laughs> everything everything else is stupid. So, anyways, my my point being on that is that I I can I'm empathetic to that group that only sees that language, and uh, anyways, it does tie into today because I I probably should do a little bit more you know, going out and interviewing people on the street, you know, because uh, I'd love to get a consensus idea as to what 15-year-old males are up to today for, you know, their influencers and what they're thinking about. And if it if it's if it's still like a performance-based thing or... I think it's very, um, it's twofold. It's very lean protein and carbohydrate-based. Okay. So low fat, lots of rice, lots of chicken okay. um, and supplementation. Okay. So back to the nineties, basically. The nineties reminds me of the very that exact. I feel like that's exactly where we're back to yeah. with uh, the bodybuilding bodybuilding um, era. Mm. Interesting. Well, I'm interested to see if, like, in seven years, there's the uh, the uh, you know the Poliquins and the Moro de Pasquales that you know come out in a different light and start saying hey you know fat's really important for anabolism it was like oh, what? <laughs> you know and all these all these uh young guys at 15 who at 23 are like oh thank you so much for letting us you know eat fat again <laughs> it's like you should have been eating fat the whole time but anyways okay well that's good um how about an area before we get into i guess one uh you know if it's not i think it's like the major difference is uh, uh, reproduction, um, and that's where we have to have a conversation on uh, not not just reproduction as in pregnancy, but um, the uh, menstruation and the cycle and the variances. Because there is, and I won't just stop there, uh, but there there is going to be some mar- major variation between, I guess, the conversation around food and that relative to males, right? Males and females will be different there. But um, how about one area where there's uh, where there's no difference, or maybe I'm missing something there, and you have something to say on it, is um, uh, the uh, quality uh, in food. I just make an assumption, like I just wrote down, you know, the words we use of just eat real food and get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there some something to be said in there, like an asterisk in there for males and female differences for for eating real food? I'm just giving no, you. No, I, I don't think so. I'm, not sure. you know? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to. No, I, I don't think there's a difference um, in that. And I'm even going to say, like, I'm going to take it further as we start getting into difference differences between men and women when it comes to menstruation. That the food quality and the selections that show up on a dinner table don't need to look different. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they do. Like, if I'm just thinking of this from a general population, if you know you have a family that family household, a mom and dad, and children or like, you know, a whole family that are eating meals. I think the quality and the food types that are showing up on the table do not need to be different. Yeah. There's no difference for you saying between males and females for that. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was just, I was just, uh, I was just seeing if there's anything. <laughs> but that's really, yeah. I'd say like, again, going back to narratives or th- things that I've heard from younger clients, it's like the brother gets to eat these foods. I don't. Mm, Carbohydrates, right. He gets to eat them. I don't. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that must come from, again, the cultural differences or, you know, beliefs that are embedded based upon that. Yeah, but it doesn't, it makes no sense, you know. Or one brother is playing a sport, one brother isn't. So one's allowed to have a piece of toast with breakfast, one is not. Oh, uh, 
gosh. That's problems. <laughs> right? So like thinking of it as like, we're all eating breakfast together, yeah. but one child can have different food than a different one. Oh. Food types can be different. So oh. um, say if we take it to just principles we believe, it's that we should all be eating high quality, real food. Real food. Yeah. Yeah. And just get people to uh, just do their work on that area alone, right? You know, what what does, you know, because probably you're doing it in the trenches with people all the time, right? Like, what what does real food mean? You're talking about, I would assume, the continuum of, like, going from, you know, this shit white bread to, like, lettuce or something, you know, the, and how that all, you know, connects. Um, I think regionally it'll always be different depending on where you're living. Yeah, um, for us, we're very fortunate that we have year-round farmer's markets just being in like an agricultural hub. So for me, it's typically sending clients. I just prefer them to at least start their exploration by going to the farmer's market mm. because then you start to see what is in season yeah. and what is real food. Mm. And ours has all your vegetables, your fruits, and it does have meat products as well, your mm. meat and dairy. So that's similar to when you go to a grocery store, you can start by shopping the aisles. Yeah. And then as you hit the center, that's where you're going to find most of like the fish, the meat, um, any of your dairy will be like in there. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good learning for people just to go explore food for themselves and pick yeah. out what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But saying it across the board, if there's, you know, eight people at the table and there's four males and four females, it's all real food basically. But to your point, like, for example, I just saw that differences in uh, the North Shore, Hawaii, you know, and and going to a local like mom and pop shop there, you know, is different than North Scottsdale. Right. So to th th there is differences between those in macronutrient profiles, sourcing of foods, et cetera. But, you know, for my family, when we sit down, it's still, quote unquote, real food for everyone. Yeah. So uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So there is some there is some areas in there uh, that you brought into it. And that makes me realize there probably is some other areas underneath that, that still everyone's eating real food, but it has to be what we've discussed numerous times, right? Uh, ethnically, culturally, geographically uh, should make sense. And what what makes sense? Well, that's that's a long that's a long book, right? Like you got to you got to figure that out. Um just to bring people into what we discussed before when we were on the, doing the OPEX gyms calls. I don't know if you remember that call we had, um, Ronell who was in, well, I think it was Venezuela, Colombia, yeah. like combination in Naki. We had, uh, um, I forget the gentleman's name from Finland, uh, Marco. Yes. Marco. Right? Marco. Uh, we had a, a coach there from, uh, um, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Yes, Switzerland, you know, so, you know, and, and Mazar was to speak, you know, for, uh, for uh, Inaki as well, and some differences that were inside of the uh, uh, Mexican uh, cultures and ethnicities, etc. But just to listen to that, and me, I was talking about like, Eastern, Northern Eastern Canada, you know, connecting the quote, unquote, you know, white European Anglo Saxon, Irish English, whatever, heritage for that. Um, it was really cool to see that, but what unified everyone was that it was all plants and animals and it was all real food. You know, that, that was the wonder, that was the greatest thing about it. But to your point, which that was great was to, uh, revisit some of those differences, you know, relative to what's on that table. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, because that was a good reminder for me on it. Okay, so um, how about uh, uh, talk about the, you talk about the major, well, first of all, do you agree with my point that um, food is different for females than males in the menstruation, pregnancy, postmenopause conversation? And then I was going to say, secondly, maybe offer a couple of things that differ. And what is those differences? If yeah. you agree that to be true. I mean, I think this is like the very hot topic currently. Okay. Um, I didn't know especially that. for females coming through that either actually it's my generation is girls that grew up playing soccer. Why were there so many ACL injuries? Um, is it because like, and how does that connect to food and menstruation? Mm. And I think it's, um, a lack of body literacy is number one is teenage from teens up. If you're not on the pill, not understanding the way your cycle works and having the intuition to understand what your body's asking for during different phases of the month. Mm. So when appetite decreases versus when it increases mm -hmm. um, based off hormone levels throughout that. Um, also again, understanding the value of protein for a boy or a girl growing up and why we need those things for recovery and rebuilding when we're playing sport or just being active. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that what I needed to eat is different than what a boy needed to eat. I just don't think there was conversation or education around the importance of food. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that the kind, the quality, like all those things are still relatively the same. But uh, what I was trying to point out there is that uh, the male, you know, at let's call it 16, uh, let's take away sport. Right. Because again, sport always confuses things, right. right? Especially if we bring in ACL injuries or physical literacy, you know, mental acuity, you know, reaction time. It just gets like all of a sudden now kids are taking a plethora of supplements. That's where it ends up in conversation, right? It's like, oh, well, this person didn't have the strain of probiotics when they were 15 because of small bacteria overgrowth. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, so if we just to stay, what I was saying is that, you know, uh, the differences would be that we didn't, and I'll just speak on behalf of males, we didn't have um, a monthly period where our body would go through a bleeding detoxification, yes. natural detoxification cycle, right? Where we actually, we didn't lose blood every 29 and a quarter days. We didn't every four weeks have a difference in perception, emotions, behaviors, you know, we, we didn't have that, you know, every four weeks, you know, so I'm just, I just wanted to see, you know, if without, you know, just saying it yeah. out loud, those are the differences and yeah. then would and then nutrition apply there, you know, for it. Not, not, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that the absolute totals, or so we said relative mm -hmm. totals, eating real food, et cetera, but, but it's not, it's not the same. You know what I'm I, saying? I think the That's differences for me, at least, you know, and coming throughout my own journey of um, when I first got into CrossFit, losing my period for a good five years um, and focusing on macros, right? The, everything I learned at that time was macro focused yeah. without any education around micronutrients. Was it zone and, style still? Hmm? Zone, was it still zone paleo? It was coming style? out of zone. Actually, paleo was a really great phase, but it went from paleo into very controlled macros, okay. which which is I was just hypercaloric for a very long time for the amount of training volume I was doing at the time. Okay. Um, just like double days on top of a very, of 1200 calories or less, you know? So, um, and just the toll that took over time, yeah. but 
I'd still say for today, as I've shifted into learning more about how to feel throughout pregnancy, the value of nutrients as um, you go through each trimester and things like that, and that focus and that lens, for me, it's still, if I have really balanced micronutrients in my diet all month long, I don't need to replenish my iron stores because I'm getting adequate iron all month long. Mm -hmm. So with a very truly balanced diet, I don't have to remove certain foods the week going into my period because I eat a low inflammation diet all month long. And I think that's where I find today women are getting very confused is because now we're being told eat this way up to ovulation, eat this way before your period comes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Eat less right after you have your period because now appetite is going to be decreased based off rising hormones. And we're like, trying to shift and manipulate all month long versus really focusing on, are you having a very balanced diet? Are you getting adequate micronutrients of all the vitamins and minerals your body requires? Because when we do that consistently, monthly cycle is very regular. Yeah. And then when we bridge into the conversation of pregnancy, it's very easy to shift nutrients from trimester to trimester because the base is so supportive already. Yeah, I, it's the same. Uh, so we're, we are. So the differences that I'm speaking about is idealism versus realism. So ideally, yes. So th- that's where I'm. I'm trying to make the point there of the differences between males and females. So, yeah, I, I will start from the outset, saying that there's no difference. But, but. But, but there is a difference, meaning like, well, well, what do you mean by there's no difference? Well, what I mean by no difference, we're both going to eat quality foods. We're both going to eat real foods. Uh, we're both going to eat, you know, in, in general, those significant differences, but the food is the same. Yeah. Okay. Well, what is the difference? And that's what I'm saying is the realistically though, realistically yes. based upon whatever your cycle and your period immensities, which is a whole great conversation, maybe for another time we can get into, which is the epigenetic influences on menstruation right because there's there's not just for example in case people are not aware of it um and i'm not a doctor i just play one when i get on these uh calls um there's uh genetics that lead to how your menses occurs there's lifestyle factors that lead to how menses occurs there's behaviors that lead to how menses occurs there's medicines that lead to how be how menses occur like there's a number of factors that lead to that. So that's the point I'm making is that, yeah, if you if you take into consideration the the seven factors that go into that particular menses cycle, what I'm saying is that that whole conversation is not had for a male. Do you see that? So so it's very tough to say. It's very tough to then be like, oh, just just eat like what males do because we're we're the same. Well, we're not. So you highlighted that, which is great. That. No, when you get into that variation of it, it doesn't mean that that's how you rewind it back by saying, like you said, you know, oh, make sure your iron stores are here and your essential fats are higher. At the... It's like, no, that's all that could all be taken care of from a whole food diet. I would agree. I would agree. But yes. Right? And so I'd say on those considerations, if you do have a female client, the first one is always going to come down to are we on hormonal birth control or not? Because that will completely shift the conversation there. But 
there are going to be periods of the month where inflammation is slightly higher in the body mm-hmm. where mood will be slightly different. Again, where appetite mm-hmm. will be higher and knowing that, I think that's where, um, when it comes to diet culture, it can be a mind fuck for a female, especially if we're doing something like where we're trying to cut calories or we're going through different maintenance phases or right. Or calorie restriction yeah. phases. And now we're coming up into menses and, appetites increased and you're hungry, but you're only supposed to be following this macro written diet. And then you feel like it's a lack of willpower or something like that. That's, um, that's the issue there. So I think those are considerations as fitness coaches, when we are using different types of diet protocols with a person is taking into consideration a female's menses and how that plays into, um, emotion mood, appetite, and also, again, um, just the shifts in potentially inflammation in the body during different phases. Yeah, that's perfect, because that that creates a language to the to the differences, right? The differences are that if you, if you go past what we agree upon is same, which is whole food, the differences is, is the awareness and the intuition and the knowing. You said knowing, that's the word I picked up on there. You just got to know that per month, it's going to be a certain way. That's it. It it doesn't mean you then reverse it all backwards. And that's what the differences are. No, the knowing is the difference. And it's wonderful because it brings into the, these words we've used before between male and female differences of linearity versus nonlinear flow, right? So the nonlinear is what you were just speaking about. It's not, for example, for 30 days in a row, this is why you can't stick to a macro plan, right? You can't. You could try, but it's going to drive, it's going to make you insane, honestly, because you have to have intuition of being like, actually, I don't feel like I need to have all the, that protein today. But then five days later, you're going to be ravenous, right? And so this is where we have to see, and, but people need to recognize that is a female natural human instinct to be able to be intuitive and be like, listen, I just sense it and I got to do it. You know what I'm saying? So, but you see that that's, and that brings us together on the same point. That's different. See, that's different than males. It's not different than, than the food. It's not different than the protein, you know what I'm saying? But it is different in the intuition around what's required based upon how they're feeling. Because of that non-linear cycle, right? We could do weekly refeeds with a male if we were doing certain types of manipulation or things like that where, you know, I think that was a um, in maybe this last decade that became very popular with diets or like the RP strength diet templates that came out um, was a lot of that. And it just didn't, that's where I'd say it did not work for females. Well, I mean, again, it's inside the performance paradigm. But I'd say also then from just um, from a public perspective, I think the flip side is we see so much around um, where women are marketed to that, you know, when you're about to get your monthly cycle and PMS is up, we drink wine and we have sugar because we're craving foods. And those are the worst things you can be giving your body when it's in a state of inflammation. Mm -hmm. It's like now I'm going to just pour a bunch of sugar Mm -hmm. onto that and how that actually makes you feel. But it's very marketable. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly marketable, like for mm-hmm. companies to be able to sell you chocolate bars that say like the cure for PMS, even though that's just making you feel so much worse. Yeah. 
Yeah, just so outside of diet culture, I think from a marketing culture, just um, women are very much manipulated to to actually make themselves feel worse most often. And we see yeah. that with the clients we get is like, oh, they're always craving wine, not understand, not having the intuition to understand what their body's actually craving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. So just to think about uh, what I was just trying to think about there is the is the uh, conversation right at the supper table. Yeah. Right. Of, of our point, which is like where she where she could be saying, listen, these these influencers that I idolize that uh, know more than you do, Peter, uh, say that that this is this is how I need to do this differently than you do. And Peter's like, uh, but that doesn't logically make any sense. Right. <laughs> and Peter would sound like an asshole if he's like, well, it's just your feelings based upon it, you know. And he probably has incorrect intentions, you know, or he maybe he has good intentions. But anyways, uh, Peter's being an asshole because he said that. But Peter does have a good point. It's like, well, but it's not that different. You know, but Peter has to take that angle by saying we both need to have real food. Right. And that's where you see there's this fracture that occurs because the perform sports medicine paradigm is selling her this as a fix for oh it's special special meaning different right it's special because i bet you're feeling this and she's like yeah yeah i do feel that (laughs) but what she doesn't recognize to your point is that that's just a band-aid that's a band-aid right that's a false uh that's a false sense so i'd say phases where women eat different is again considerations being monthly menstrual cycle yeah um pregnancy yeah. Well, three phases of pregnancy, like we discussed, right? Um, or I, I'm not sure, actually. I uh, apologize. I didn't uh, I didn't uh, look at it prior to our call today, but a, a, a product placement is a learner X course that Melissa has done that could give you some information on that. But um, remember the uh, what Dr. Tom told us from the beginning, right? From the starting points of the naturopathic model, um, there's three major phases, uh, two years prior to pregnancy, that actually is a phase, um, mm-hmm. pregnancy, you know, the whole pregnancy phase, and then two years post. And those are broken into three different cycles based upon preparation of everything, right? Preparation of um, cyclical rhythms, you know, healthy body fat levels, um, homeostasis mechanisms month to month, um, you know, luteinizing hormone phase, uh, you know, uh, surges and, and, uh, insights into that, um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and then this, which is a point that I do want to talk about. Maybe there are some differences in there in terms of like the, the maximums that females can get to, to like maximize their own personal capability of reproduction. And my point being inside of that, is that really different than the husband? And I want to just touch on that point slightly. Right. Um, and then secondly, would be where you're having the growth of this child inside of you. And is your food different than your husband then? Well, then, yes, it is. If you if you don't think it is, then maybe we can discuss that as well. And then afterwards, based upon uh, nurturing, fueling, fueling yourself as hormones change and cut change over time, uh, back to menstruation or back to a point where uh, uh, you can start that reproduction cycle again, or is it a period of breastfeeding for a period of time? And that's why we just give it 
uh, two years, nine months, two years, right? And the reason why, you know, is outside this conversation, but the reason why we discuss that is to talk about, uh, you know, one of our calls at another time, we're going to talk about the female reproductive, the full female reproductive cycle, meaning like from 13 to like 53, right? And talk about the whole thing. But that's why those phases are important. And I'll just stop there because that is different. Would you agree than a male with regards to just the conversation on food? Correct? Yes. Yeah. So let me hit on that. Let's let's talk about that first point, because this is something that um, I would say empirically it, it has happened. I'm not I, I can't lie and say, oh, no, 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 you know, it's it's not different. But let me let me just put it in terms of like uh, quality, quality measures. OK, what I mean by that is what's the percentage of the husband and the wife's diet that we're just going to use for terminology today is as clean as possible. Right prior to pregnancy. And this is where I'm going to say that there's some differences that I have observed, meaning that when I have spoken to that female, right, and she is like, oh, you know, this is the planning and this is what we're thinking of happening. And as you know, I kind of niggle in there lots, right? It'd be like, so is there any chance, you know, in the future that you're thinking about this, you know, reproduction that, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, that's not important. Just give me my exercise program. I want to get out of here. It's like, no, actually, it's really important, you know, and then I, of course, explained to them. And then by the end of the, the end of the consultation, they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that this was so great that I could build this resilience and vitality and have a great pregnancy and also, you know, uh, great practices that I'm giving to her. Anyways, so but I start with that on a two year timeline, right? Not because I'm pulling it out of my ass, but it just got, has to do with like the changes in uh, behaviors, the changes in cycles, the building of let's call it good reproductive rhythm, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but do you see, I, I regard that female then for that those next two years as being a, a measure score of like 95 out of 100. Do you see that? But the, why, does the, why does the male, why does the male be, are, is okay with well, 70? This is, this is what I think that, that, that connection, I think we need to go back to just... Um... Western medicine and typically what you're going to get from your practitioners when you go in and you say you're get in a place where you're ready to consider conceiving. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the information that a couple is going to receive is surrounded around the female and what she needs to do to prepare her body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes you're not going to, as a male, you're not getting that information from your doctor on sperm quality, why you need to yeah. be your stress, your food, your toxic load, any of those things. It's it is 100% still a female conversation. Mm-hmm. You still see that again. It's now becoming a little bit more talked about. Yeah, in episode four, we discussed that, right? Talked about like where three. fertility could be, right? Sometimes now we're starting to see, but it's unfortunately usually late in the game. If, if a couple is having any fertility issues to even like consider the male's role there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the fun of being inside of an OPEX gym is the second oh. it's, you know, we're going to have, that is very the norm if, if you work with me is that, you know, it's about a two-year process is what I prefer. I know that's not everyone's timeline, but that's the timeline I like, if not longer. Um, because again, from habit change and doing things beyond just diet, it does take that long. Especially a lot of females, if you want to think about just toxic load of having, you know, artificial nail, like acrylic nails and dyed hair and all the other things um, that sometimes I like to address. Um, I like to bring the partner into the fold at that time too. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to make these lifestyle changes and work on improving nutrition, 
and lifestyle that that should be an equal part husband to wife or both partners in that relationship. Yeah. So it's in, it's in the culture, basically. Anyways, to, to your point, because I don't think a lot of females are getting, um, let's call it nutritional information for pregnancy until they become pregnant and they go see their doctor. And when you go to your doctor, you're not receiving nutritional support on that at all. All you're being handed is a really low quality um, prenatal multivitamin. Mm -hmm. It's usually going to make you sick because it's such a shitty form of vitamin in the first place that you're like not wondering why you're throwing up more than you thought you would. Mm -hmm. It's because they're giving you, (laughs) but that's a whole other topic. But, um, but on that, yeah, I'd say like, that is a phase where I think, um, you know, the perception is different. The perception is different. We're saying male and female differences. What is different? It's the perception of the 70%. The male is okay with 70% for two years, but apparently the female has to be at 95 as a score out of a hundred. You see what I'm saying? Now that's a perception difference. It doesn't mean it's, it is what we believe to be, you know, the, the, what people should follow. We believe people should follow a hundred percent as much as possible all the time. Right. And when I say a hundred, hope people know what I mean by a hundred. Okay. If you're not a hundred ninety nine, right. It's like, you know, the, the, the arguments for the, you know, what I call mediocrity, people call balance, right. People think balance is 50, 50, you know, for every piece of broccoli, you can have a Mars bar. That's the, that's the public perception today. Right. And, and listen, everyone will go down fighting, trying to make that work, including science, including nutrition, including the FDA, including government institutions, right? They will work as hard as possible to make you believe that because it works for them, because they'll be able to medicate you. That's why, right? And in the end, if you don't think that's the case, again, you need to do your research. So when I say 100%, okay, I don't mean 100, I mean 99, right? All your arguments for mediocrity, what I call mediocrity, it's not moderation, is horseshit, right? It's a horseshit argument. So I've just basically answered my own question is like, is it different for males and females pre-pregnancy? No, it's not. No, it's not. But does it occur? Yes, in the culture, it's still accepted. Oh, it only matters for her. No. Go back to our previous episode on masculinization or testosterone production or capability of, of sperm motility. It matters, if we want to pause on that for a second, it probably matters more in 2022 for the male to have a consultation two years prior. And I think I that's argue that as a, as, a, as a possibility. How I started this, when we first started this conversation, is what's the um, popular consensus or what's being marketed by fitness influencers or fitness coaches today is fertility, co- like coaching around fertility right? All the stuff that's like women created for women clients by women coaches. And in everything I've gone through and searched, no one's bringing the partner into this conversation. Why? So do people are we helping people to the best they can be? I don't, you know. How is that the case? Like, how, how did that happen? How do you make money? Your niche is true. I mean, I can't even believe I asked that question, you know? Um, Gosh. Anyways, there's there's more actors at play, I'm sure, inside of that. But, uh, you know, you, you got to have it takes two to tango. And that means that everyone has to be in on that conversation. Um, anyway, so if you're, you know, a female interested in this down the line, put a little bit more pressure on uh, Peter that uh, he's he's better than 70 percent. That's a that's a horseshit argument. That's what I'll that's what I'll say. Peter needs to be rocking 95s. 
you know, all the time. And uh, that's going to be far more important. And not only, not only uh, does it start also behaviors, right? Think about this for why I talk about the two years post conversation, which is so important is like, why do you do two years before? It's because you're a team, right? If you want to, if you're, if you're looking to build a family, what's going to be sustaining for that family? Like we talk about in physical stuff all the time, right? Motor control. Why do we do all these motor control reps? Because you want to do it for 50 years, right? Yeah. Then do your fucking motor control reps. It's the same thing here. Why do it two years prior? It's the behaviors, right? So Peter needs to be able to go, yeah, I'm doing this because it's for more than me, you know, hashtag not ourselves, right? Which is a classic line, classic, uh, you know, nostalgic line of uh, thought for that being more than just you. That's why you need to do it. So for anyone listening in on that, get that, get Peter's, you know, ass in gear and say it's, it's, it's important for everyone to build these behaviors so that you all around the table love the concept of eating real food, helping one another out, changing things and becoming varied as possible over time. So that's why it needs to happen on the front end. Um, That's an interesting through line between a bunch of our topics of uh, realistic ideas and idealistic ideas, right? Because realistically, the culture pervades this difference. But idealistically, we're we're still saying, no, it's not different. There is no differences. Except for the points of you know, what we just mentioned outside of that, which would be um, uh, pregnancy, you know, just pregnancy alone. I mean, there, you know, pregnancy alone, I think that's a, that it's, it's more than a nothing burger, right? Would we agree on that, that, you know, that is different, meaning that there is growing of a child in that female and it's not in the male. So the male doesn't have to like, you know, uh, be intuitive of how many changes in calories has to occur relative to the growth, you know, the, uh, well-accepted notion of at least some form of weight gain throughout the pregnancy uh, relative to that, the postnatal uh, fueling. So if breastfeeding and the changes are happening hormonally, pregnant progesterone changes, basically that's going to result in a multitude of differences with regards to Peter and Lisa. Right. So do you Peter's want to not slightly on that? There's no, there's no, uh, there's no uh, he didn't just lose. He's not, creating a human being that's taking the nutrients from his body. Yeah. So there is a difference. Yeah. There's a difference, right? There is a difference. I, mean, that's, right? I think that's a whole, like a whole podcast on itself, but yeah. Um, yeah, there is a difference in nutrient requirements for a male versus a female throughout pregnancy. And then throughout postpartum, mm-hmm. just actual requirements needed. Yeah. Our differences there. Yeah. Yeah, and I've heard uh, different percentages of total daily intake, total daily intake take based upon uh, like a 2,000 kilocal diet, diary, or sorry, diet for a 135 pound female being anywhere from like 18 to 25 percent of total calorie intake. That's on average would be the increase in calories that you're going to experience after two or three months of pregnancy up to full term, and that changes you know over and those are super loose numbers but the reason why they're super loose numbers because not everyone's 135 pounds not everyone does a full 40 weeks not everyone grows a certain size of baby like you know i'm saying it's like all these factors go into it but it's a it's a loose number and i like those numbers in percentages as opposed to saying oh just you know since day one eat 500 cows more every day and you'll be okay 
no, that results in a lot of problems, actually, um, because you're not creating some individualization based upon that. Um, and I, I, know, again, I know that's another podcast. I wasn't meaning to like go into. I say that's that, where it's but... really different. And I take in postpartum or um, those two years after, uh, as long as you're still breastfeeding. And even if you're not breastfeeding um, throughout that first phase, their bodily requirements are going to be different than that of a male's. Yeah. Um, so I'd say those, that, that is one period where it actually is different. And then um, postmenopausal. Yeah. Yeah, what goes into those differences would be uh, the uh, the number of children that you've had, right? If this is your fourth child, it's different, right? If it's your first child, it's different. Uh, mm-hmm. The actual birth itself, the birth process, right? Complications, C-section, vaginal births, vaginal births with any complications, um, complications during the pregnancy, even with either of those that led to like a longer recovery period, um, you know, uterus changes, you know, the, you know, so all those things do have a part to play, quote unquote, in the recovery. So we don't just jump over that saying that, oh, it's the same. And there's like a two week period and get your ass back out there. It's like, no, it's varied. Therefore, the macronutrients, food totals, et cetera, will be different. And I, and I don't want to overlook that part because I do. No, we're not. We're just, we that, I mean, that, that part, I, I kind of sped over that. And I do, um, it is unfortunately something that most of my female clients that have had kids didn't have awareness around was how important food and recovery was yeah. and replenishing their body after delivery, because it's pretty normalized in society that it's two weeks and you should be like, you know, this bounce back period of how quickly your body should be able to just recover and go back to normal. Um, especially if your partner, like we talked about was at the 70% and didn't give a fuck about his food intake right. uh, to know how to help feed you postpartum i think yeah. that's where we get into a lot of trouble is a lot of women just are undernourished um in, in, in a whole not yeah. even worrying about micro or macronutrients just undernourished in general um during that phase postpartum yes, yes. okay so moving on to finish up maybe because we've taken a lifetime here of like the 15 year olds and then the 40 year olds and now we're i want to talk about the the uh, major differences between um, well, there is, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess should preempt this by saying, um, there are, uh, differences at 60 years of age, um, in a generalized consensus for the amount of, if you're, if you were to say like the, the number one hormone for males and the number one hormone for females and without creating names of them, there are actually, uh, really important hormones for males and really important hormones for females that are different. And let's just say that at 60 years of age, males are hanging on in generalized a little bit more to their major hormone than a 60-year-old female is, quote unquote, hanging on to their major hormone. Um, and you can, and if, if, I, if I was to go to the left of that to 55 and up to 70, there could be some differences in the amounts, et cetera. And inside of that conversation is really lengthy too, based upon 2022 so if it, we were in 1970 and we were having this conversation, it might be a little different. If we were in, you know, 1465 the, uh, AD, uh, this would be a different conversation. So, but now we're at a point where, you know, in current times, we've only had 150 years or so as a human experience of knowing what it's like for a male and female to quote unquote function and live 
as non-reproducing homo sapiens from 65 to 85 years of age, right? So we this is this is something that we do have to contend with. And inside of that, um, any thoughts on, you know, would there be any differences, just because I'm just going to voice it out, would there be any differences between male and females in nutrition uh, with that highlighting differences in elements of their major hormones? I think you just said it, right? Men are still hanging on. At that age, most women's major hormones have fully declined. Mm-hmm. So when it comes into just, I'd say, um, not food quality, but again, quantities and things like that, there's going to be a slight differential between men and women. Yeah. Do you think it'll be different? That'd be valid? I don't know. Because again, I'm still trying to go into vitality right now versus... um, Yeah. Yeah, because, well, let me me just, let me preempt it to make it like a, a softball pitch. Um, uh, metabolic rates, uh, appetite, satiety in my post menopausal females, um, like either hit the shitter, um, and required more than just James's like exercise and eat whole foods in order to create a fix. Right. Um, or it was like chaotic, you know, sleep disruption, uh, major appetite swings, major, uh, de- you know, manic depressive to, you know, to, you know, cha- and when it comes down to like the analysis of that particular group, which is females for that, that's number one, that's not happening in males, right? So, and then number two, to my point, uh, I think there was actually, if I was to, to your point, there was a difference, even if males and females were both 150 pounds, the females were getting less total calories. They were getting less total calories than what those males were. And my point being that I just don't think that that has been investigated beyond just the empirical work that I saw that is in like the booklets that says, oh, if you're 65 to 85, you want to live long, this is what you do for food. It's more than just eat whole food. I think it's back to maybe a similar point you made earlier. It's the intuition that's different, right? Around like, you know, having to having to source out different sources of foods that that help you feel great and vital when your appetite is the shits or when you feel like you need to eat yourself out of an ice cream pie, right? Yeah. So because because that will happen quote unquote as we know a number of different cofactors are connected to the drop in that major hormone that leads to like um microflora changes bacterial changes like all these things that whether you like it or not i don't i'm just trying to you know speak to a nutritional scientist that's listening in whether you like it or not it's connected to the brain and it's connected to appetite appetite suppression mental acuity etc whether you like it or not it is and I'm telling you, in the trenches working with those females, there was a difference. So maybe I'm just highlighting what you just said earlier. Is that, are you seeing it the same way or saw some differences in that? I think that's where it's like, there just needs to be such a high level of intuition. Because if we're going off of, again, what's being put out in mainstream, it's like, once you hit menopause, you're just supposed to intermediate fast, which has... 
Okay, we got to I'll leave it there. It's like, interval. right, because now we're intermediate fasting. You're consuming 800 calories a day, right? So it's like, for me, it's much more of like, there has to be a level of intuition to understand again, what do we do? Like you just said, when appetite is through the roof. Mm-hmm. And well, you just, you just, uh, you just suck it up, Melissa. You know, you just like tough it out because uh, that's just what people are telling you you need to do. Gosh. It is my, uh, I have a lot more clients at that age bracket right now. That's kind of like, because there's just not a lot of great resources for a female or anywhere to go to during yeah. this phase where you feel like your body's rebelling against you. Yeah, I'm telling you, we need to write. I mean, I I had the, Jeff Trabot and I had this, had the book notes and we had a ghostwriter set up and everything. This was like early 2000s. We were going to write that book uh, because it was such a missing component um, and it was going to be called Radiance. You know, I, I thought that there's just no information out there for the uh, perimenopause all the way up to death. A a booklet that said this is what all I saw was the Gwyneth Paltrow shit for 30 years. That's all I saw. Right. Was a sports medicine concept. This is how you fix all this shit. And no one wanted to dig in on the basics of these biological things that said, no, this is what you have to be to your point, right? You've got to be intuitive to say, you know, all these things, what has led me to this point? What did my mom and her mom have? Like the the historical consequences of that, you know, your psychological life, your social life, your physical life, like all these things will lead into quote unquote, that prescription from 60 to 85, you know? Um, Anyways, maybe you and I will partake in that over time and leave. Uh... Yeah, I'm really looking forward. I think that'll be a fun podcast in itself. Yeah, it's yeah, for sure. For sure. But but uh, we are agreeing that for a comment today to finish it off and to summarize maybe the whole lifestyle, it's similar through lines the whole way through, right? That there are no differences, but there's significant differences in perception and inside what the culture milieu is, there is differences in that. And that is hard to sometimes overcome. That is sometimes hard to overcome. And then there are, we'll call them like uh, points that we created a double click or an asterisk on. Um, and the, I guess the common term for podcasting today is unpacked. We unpacked the... Uh, the uh, menses difference in reproductive starting years, uh, the pregnancy differences, and the postmenopause differences. We unpacked each of those. And hopefully listeners could see that as quote unquote different, you know, because there, there is a difference because yeah, males are not having those things, but it doesn't mean from our hierarchy, hierarchy of what's important, the, the just eat real food. If you focus on that, most of all those things are taken care of, but hopefully those listening in recognize that there is a difference inside of that perception and intuition. And uh, and yeah. to wrap it up on that, for a coach, any coach that are listening, if you have female clients, I think it's of great value to have them journal or have a place where they can take note monthly on on just. It's hard. You don't have intuition unless you know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So bringing awareness to how do I feel throughout the month. And yeah. starting to like notice those trends for yourself, because otherwise I think the default is to go find 
a blog post on how you're supposed to feel throughout the month. Yeah. And um, then it's like, oh, I can never train this week because I'm, I am I can't train. I'm inflamed this week versus like, how does your body feel for me? That was the most powerful tool was to have years now of a journal of noting how I felt throughout my month to see what was really just like my intuition versus what was a, the story or narrative I had created based off how I thought I was supposed to be feeling. Good. So, so I'll, I'll uh, speak for males out there. Mine's pretty simple. Get your fucking act together. That's what I would say. Um, yeah, just get your fucking act together. 70% is mediocre. 70% is a very lower order life. 70% is, um, uh, be a, be an advocate and an activist, not an asshole. Uh, meaning like be a role model, right? Go for 99% all the time because it's for you, right? Because it helps you become a better person. I'm speaking to males here. Um, and that will help everyone, right? And so whenever you get, you know, word on the street that uh, uh, a mediocre, you know, um, you know, using psychedelics, drinking yourself to to shit, you know, to only two days a week and calling that a five out of seven balance. That's horseshit. That's a mediocre life. Um, and I could go on and on based upon that, you know, just for an hour, actually, as to what, what, what that would be for the quote unquote male you know, concept, but yeah, ask more of yourself and, uh, it'll, it'll help everyone by you being that way. So I'll speak to males on, uh, on behalf of that. Um, cause in the end, uh, uh, just to summarize on that to that point there, we got it. I'll speak on behalf of males. We got a pretty fucking easy, uh, you know, we have it pretty fucking easy. Um, we have unbelievable sourcing opportunities, uh, we actually have to come up with ways to make it exciting for sourcing now, right? Like, it's like, oh, I want to learn how to hunt. It's like, okay, that's cool. Um, but uh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm joking that my friend is a full-time hunter and a hunter guide, but um, it's like, you know, just think about that, right? It's, that's crazy. So we got a pretty damn good. Um, and uh, if I could speak, uh, which I will, I'm never hesitant on speaking about that to females and all the uh, beautiful females that have been around me and how I've helped them basically is, um, yeah, be, be, um, intuitive. I just, you know, on that, like, yeah, be intuitive, listen, listen deep. You always, I, the way I would say it to, uh, uh, to my young girls is that all the answers are in you. You have all the answers, uh, to mothers. I would say, uh, mama knows best. Um, and to older females, um, I would say there, there is, there is purpose there. There's something more. And, uh, and that, that would be my, that would be my input, uh, as a male to females that I've worked with that I've, that I've helped. I, I think, you know, um, I don't love the narrative right now because I think coming to understand my body has been such a powerful tool. Mm. Again, I don't, I'm not trying to be a male in a male's world. I know how to listen to my body when my mood swings are slightly shifting or I'm slightly more emotional and I don't feel like I'm at the whim of that. I'm very much just in tune with that. Mm. And that to me feels like a source of strength. Like I know how my body's going to be responding this week. I know from like running a business standpoint when it may not be the best time for me to make a really 
important decision. Hmm. Um, and I can be conscious of that. And to me, that makes me feel so much more in control than just being like, oh, this is just how it is. This is yeah. because I'm a woman that I have to deal yeah. with this. I don't That's deal with it. anything. That's exactly it. You're putting it into words. This is great. We can, we're, we're going to, we're summarizing on that. Have confidence in your intuitions. So it's more than just intuition, right? It's have confidence in those intuitions. Um, that was wonderful. Thanks for that. All righty. So uh, we did uh, cross the board there, covered a big topic, um, and we got some principles from it. And like we proposed to do on this is to hit some of those big topics and not necessarily have answers at the end, but I think some principles came through. Um, and uh, uh, that was really helpful. I learned I learned a whole bunch there in terms of, again, my uh, my language. It was also really good to have some aha moments. So I appreciate that from you on like the current consensus of perceptions as to what's happening, being in the trenches. And that's why I was excited about doing this podcast with you. But also, uh, it was great for me to uh, recollect on all those experiences I had uh, with males and females in those nutritional consultations. Um, and it was just a good rehash for me to to validate the things that I know to be true. So I really appreciate that. This is enjoyable. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah.